steps, a simple recipe, but it would mean so much to me. Turn on the gas and make me feel fine. All I want to say is, just give me some hot pizza. Steve Siddall here with another episode of Financial Pizza. It's the only podcast that features clips and more from some of the best financial radio programs and podcasts heard around the country every week. We bring it to you hot, fresh, and in 30 minutes or less. Before we get started, I want to take a moment and just give a shout out to Eric Carney and his team in Cape Coral, Florida at Retirement Wealth. Now, that was one of the hardest hit areas by Hurricane Ian. Now, as of Friday, they were putting things back together, still dealing with limited cell service, no internet, and spotty power. Now, in an email, Eric assured me that everybody made it through safely. Certainly some damage, but nothing that can't be replaced. And in typical Eric fashion, I texted him and asked how he fared. I spelled it F-A-R-E-D. His one-word reply was fair, F-A-I-R. Hoping to get them back on the air next week. I'm sure there'll be stories. I'm just glad everybody's okay. The advisors had plenty to say. We'll hear from Coach Pete Deruta where we get his take on precious metals in a retirement account. Mark Giels breaks down just what sequence of returns risk is and how we can and should avoid it at all costs. Richard Pelletier has the Federal Bank on his mind and shares his thoughts. As well, we'll hear from Coach Pete DeRuta again as he interviews Eric Volshunas about his new book called The Bogle Effect. All of that and more coming up, but first, the week was... That was the week that was, it's over, let it go. The market had another roller coaster week, mostly down one day up, then Friday midday saw the S&P down about 2.5%, the Dow nearly 2%, and Friday's jobs number showed the U.S. economy added 263,000 jobs in September. That's slightly below a Dow Jones estimate of 275,000. However, the unemployment rate came in at 3.5%. That's down from 3.7% in the previous month. That's a sign that jobs pictures continues to strengthen, even as the Federal Reserve tries to slow the economy with rate hikes to stem inflation. However, Data released earlier this week showed job openings fell sharply in August, indicating a softening job market. Layoffs are minimal right now, but a growing number of firms in recent weeks, including Robinhood Markets, Microsoft, Tesla, Netflix, and Ford Motor Company, have all announced dismissals or plans to cut jobs soon. The Federal Reserve's forecasting track record over the past 50 years suggests eh, they may be a bit overly optimistic when it comes to predicting the U.S. unemployment rate. They say in 2023 it'll rise to 4.4% and hold? Well, the truth is, Fed officials have failed to correctly predict how joblessness would increase during or in the wake of nearly every recession for the past half century. And the holiday shopping season gearing up. Amazon says they'll be hiring about 150,000 seasonal workers. That's the same as last year, and their sales predictions say it will be a lackluster holiday shopping season. So what can we expect economically? The story changes depending on who you're talking to. The managing director of the International Monetary Fund, Kristalina Georgievia, says the IMF is lowering its projections that global economic growth in 2023, yeah, lowering it by $4 trillion, that goes through 2026. She added that the risk of a recession is rising. 
calling the current economic environment a period of historic fragility. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was speaking to the Center for Global Development, calling for ambitious policy solutions, although she actually never used the word recession. She did concede, though, that, quote, the global economy faces significant uncertainty. Now we can do is watch what happens and hope for the best. And finally, Hurricane Ian is history, and it certainly made history in Florida. In addition to all the devastation caused by the storm, officials in Florida now say, if you've got an EV, be careful. Firefighters have been battling a number of fires caused by electrical vehicle batteries waterlogged from Hurricane Ian. According to Jimmy Petronas, the state's top financial officer and fire marshal, he says there's a ton of EVs disabled from Ian, and as those batteries corrode, fires start. He tweeted that out on Thursday, adding that it's a new challenge that our firefighters haven't faced before, at least on this kind of scale. Wow, guess there's always something. All right, let's get this pizza cooking. And for that, we turn to America's wealth coach and best-selling author, Coach Pete DeRuta. And in this clip from America's 401k show, Chief Wealth Strategist Parker Holland and I are talking about precious metals in your retirement account. When things happen like they are right now, with all the volatility, all of the talk, it seems then we start to hear the commercials for gold, <laughs> right? Well, I found uh, I, I've been you know I do a lot of research and and um, so we've have a, a, a piece here from strategist uh, a global market strategist Ben Laidler, uh, and he's got some thoughts on gold. You know, one of the key characteristics of gold is it has no income attached to it. It pays no income. It doesn't pay a dividend like stocks do. Uh, it doesn't have a um, coupon like bonds do. But I think that's going to become more of an issue going forward. So partly it's historical. I mean, until the sort of 1970s, I mean, you know, large portions of the world, including the US, were on the gold standard where they basically fixed the value of their currencies relative to gold. And that basically meant that, you know, a very large portion of central bank reserves has to be held in gold. You know, if you look back at sort of the last five big market corrections, so, you know, tech bubble, global financial crisis, you know, all the way through to, to the COVID crash of last year, you know, your average S&P 500 was down about 28% on average. Gold was up about 11% on average. So there you go. I mean, so is gold worth having in a portfolio? Is that something that you talk about with folks? Oh, little, yeah. Well, I mean, we talk about every asset class, and gold is one of them. Okay. Uh, precious metals, not just gold. Parker, uh, it's not just gold. It's, it's oh, precious no. metals a in general. A lot of people but, don't realize that. But, but, Steve, at the most, I would say maybe 5 to 10% of your portfolio, and that's if you really, really want precious metals. And there's a and I mean during down markets, volatile markets, I mean he is right. It's a great hedge, but that's what we use it for in our strategies, is more of a hedge to hedge the volatility we're expecting. And that's kind of what coach always goes back to. Diversity, everyone talks about it, but too many people over focus on one piece, and that's what is the issue with the marketing behind gold, silver, precious metals. Steve, the best thing about gold, the thing I love the most is the interest rate it pays. <laughs> doesn't it doesn't <laughs> yeah don't get a dividend either yeah so that's where you have to be careful it just sits there it just sits there and you're safe yeah or wherever you hopefully and a lot of people safe. don't have it in their safe they hold a piece of paper that says they have it in like some yeah. ira in texas you're not gonna ever catch me doing that the reason yeah. why uh, we buy gold when we do is is, is just in case just in case uh, the lights go off just in case there's no authority anymore and you have to trade 
assets for for something of value. And I'd rather have gold. bread and lead. I'd rather have uh, <laughs> or little pieces of silver because sure. if you if you know if it comes today when we're when something happens and we have to trade our assets, well, you don't want to bring a gigantic gold bar in for a haircut. You get a little piece of silver or something like that, or just shave your head like I have. (laughs) (laughs) Saves money, Parker. I used to have the buzz cut. I used to. I can't get the beard like you guys yet. And that scar on my right side, it's too patchy. (laughs) That would be your name if you're a rapper, (laughs) Two-Patch. There you go, Parker. (laughs) Hey, we're in the studio. I can get the mixtape going. Yeah. Well, if you'd like some good news on putting together your very own retirement and income plan, give Coach Pete and the team at Capital Financial a call. 800-662-6808 or just text pizza to 600-700. America's 401k show heard on radio stations around the country. It originates in Raleigh, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Coach Pete, just visit PeteOnDemand.com. That's PeteOnDemand.com or visit CapitalFinancialUSA.com to learn more about how they could potentially help you. Pizza! Up next, Mark Giels in Sioux City, Iowa. Here, Mark has a great explanation of sequence of returns risk and why right now it's more important than ever to make sure that you and your retirement dollars don't fall victim to it. So I've got a cool slide. If you ever come and visit me or we do a webinar, I will show you this slide. And it's, and it's a slide that shows the S&P 500 index, you know, starting in the year 2000 and running, you know, for 20 some years. So the S&P 500 has averaged about 8% return since the beginning of this century. And so I asked the question, you know, if you, if I told you that I could get you an 8% return on your money, how many of you would would agree with me that you should be able to withdraw 5% per year without any problems? All the hands in the room go up. Of course. Right? Yep. And and you should be able to adjust it upwards for inflation, you know, by 3% if you're earning 8. You take 5, next year you take 3% more, you're still earning an 8% average return. But what matters is it's not a steady 8% return. You know, one year there's 23% return, the next year there's 4% return, the next year there's minus 11% return, and matters on the sequence that those returns come whether or not your money will last through retirement. So in other words, an 8% average return or even a 9 or 10% average return doesn't matter because it's the sequence that those returns come in because they're not all the same each year. So for instance, if we start that withdrawal at 5%, and I tell people, you know, 5% was the norm in 2000. You know, CDs were at 6%. You know, the S&P is averaging 20% return. Money market accounts were at 5%. So why couldn't you take a 5% withdrawal? Because that was just basically the interest that you're earning on it, not even considering any growth. So if you go back to that time period, 5% made perfect sense. Um, And if you're taking 5% and you're increasing it by 3 and you started that in 2000, Year 14, you run out of money, okay? You run out of money because you have three negative returns in a row. And your account value now at the end of 2003 is now at $500,000. 
and you're taking a 10% withdrawal, or actually more than that, it's about a 12 or 13% withdrawal, and your portfolio never recovers, and then 2008 comes along, puts the nail in the coffin, and three years, four years later, your account value is almost gone. Man. Yeah. And, but if you flip those returns, so instead, we just simply take those returns and we flip the S&P 500 returns. We take 2000, 2001, 2002, and we put them at the end, and we start with 2021 returns or 2020 returns, whatever it is. We start with positive returns at the end of today. So you've taken a 5% withdrawal. You've increased it by 3%. At the end of today, you've got just as much money as what you started, actually a little bit more than what you started uh, withdrawing. You know, So if you started with a million dollars, you've got more than a million dollars today uh, if you reverse the sequence of returns. But if the returns are negative at the beginning of your retirement, like they were at the beginning of 2000, a million dollars is zero in year 13 or 14. You run out of money. So, I mean, so that's sequence of return risk. And and so, again, if if you go to our website at EFS, the number four, the letter U, dot com, there's a great video that shows that. And by sequencing your money, so in other words, you're taking money and you're putting it in guaranteed investments for the first 10 years, you reduce substantially the risk of the sequence of return blowing up your retirement portfolio because what the sequence of return risk is, is that you're selling assets at a loss and not giving them the time to recover. So sequence of return risk is reduced by taking money from fixed guaranteed investments that can't lose money and putting longer term investments out into the later buckets where if they do lose money in the first few years of retirement, they have time to recover uh, and you don't have to sell them at a loss and lock in those losses. That's the basic premise of it. Mark's 30 plus years in the business certainly give him a unique perspective. And Mark Geals and Mark on Money, the podcast available wherever you download your podcast, including Apple, Spotify. You can find it on his website as well. That's EFS4U.com. That's EFS, the number four, the letter U.com. Pizza! Richard Pelletier checks in with a discussion of just what the Federal Reserve Bank is and what it isn't. Well, you have to understand the function of the Federal Reserve. First of all, it's not part of the government, all right? All right. Uh, and uh, their function is to keep unemployment low uh, and the rate of inflation hopefully targeted at 2% or less. Well, we're at 8% if you believe what the government puts out, which I don't, by the way. Ask anybody who goes to a grocery store, and if you heat your house by oil, boy, watch out for this winter. Uh, electricity is going to go sky high. Uh, you know, these, these folks that don't want any natural gas, well, terrific. Uh, how are you going to heat your house? How are you going to cook your meals? Uh, well, they'll get it to you, but you're going to find the expense is going to be huge increases, way, way over 8%. So if they get aggressive, and Powell said emphatically, every time that guy has a news release, uh, the stock market drops 500 uh, points, drops 1%. One day it would drop like 5% in one day, 1,200 point drop. You know, so when he talks, boy, Wall Street shakes to its boots uh, and uh, he continues these rate increases. 
Uh, and I got to tell you, uh, Wall Street's not going to react real well. That's going to be a rough six months to a year. There's no question. He's told you emphatically until he gets that inflation turned around, stop growing aggressively uh, and start to contract. Uh, he's going to be very aggressive about frequent and large rate increases. Uh, that's why that, the market dropped 5% that one day. Sure. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to start saying, well, well, it looks like we're getting it back. It went from 8% down to 7 so we're not going to have any more rate increases. Baloney. He's telling you just the opposite. They're shooting for that 2%, and they're talking about a soft landing of a recession. I don't know how you're going to do that. Uh, as far as unemployment concerned, uh, right now, everybody's hiring. Okay? You can't, you can't find employees to work. Just can't do it. Well, the government stopped paying and stay at home and do nothing and play games. Uh, that That's going to be in the back thing. It's going to take them a little time to go through their, their reserves that they built up during COVID. And when that's gone, they've got to go back to work. And that's, yeah, absolutely. So do you see, but he mentioned that unemployment could take a hit. Um, do you see yeah. that happening? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't think it's going to happen the next six months because so many people want to hire and, uh, you know, all of a sudden when unemployment runs out, these folks have got to come back off the shelf and uh, get a job. Well, again, like you said, maybe uh, so one of the things that we have to do is we're, we're trying to live through all of this and, and survive is uh, if we do have some cash reserves, maybe we should think about spending that as opposed to digging into our, uh, our, our other reserves. Well, let me tell you, if you've been taking withdrawals during your retirement to make up for your living standard, and or to add more withdrawals uh, because your, your living standard just cost you a heck of a lot more and will in the future short term. If you're taking that money out of your brokerage account, your IRA that's in the investment in the stock market, you're making the drawdown worse uh, every single month. We've stopped sending the checks out to our retirees from the TD Ameritrade equities back in February. But because of the allocation we set up when we put clients in, we had a ton of dough for the average client and safe money that was not affected by the stock market at all. So we sent the same check. They, you know, let's say they get $2,000 a month from me. They got $2,000 no longer from TD Ameritrade, but they may have got it from an annuity uh, that was pretty darn liquid. And we use that annuity where it cost us 2000 to take $2,000 out and cost us a penny more. Just good information to keep in mind as we navigate through this economic tumultuous time. You can catch Richard in the Financial Safari Saturday mornings at 9 on News Radio 560 WHYN in Springfield, Massachusetts. You can stream it on the iHeartRadio app. Learn more by visiting his website at helptoretire.com. That's helptoretire.com. Pizza! One more clip, and this pizza will be complete. And we call on Coach Pete Deruta one more time. Here he's talking with Eric Baltunas. Uh, he's an EFT analyst at Bloomberg, does a weekly segment for Bloomberg TV. Here they're talking about Eric's new book called The Bogle Effect, how John Bogle and Vanguard turned Wall Street inside out and saved investors trillions. Eric's also co-host of the weekly Bloomberg TV show called ETFIQ. He's got a new book out called The Bogle Effect. We're going to talk about John Bogle a little bit, and I want to welcome you in. Eric, welcome in. 
Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for that nice introduction. Well, you've got a long bio, so I have to pick and choose what to talk about. But the Bogle Effect here, the book, takes readers through the financial areas such as active management, ETFs, and advisory world, quantitative investing, something called ESG, which a lot of people are going to hear more and more about that coming up, behavioral finance, and even trading platforms to show how they and the investors they serve are being reshaped and reformed in that book. Now, what, what inspired you to, to write the book? I know you've talked to, when John was alive, I know you spent a lot of time talking to him. Yeah, I had uh, sat down with him for three different interviews for over an hour in the five years before he passed away. And then we exchanged emails. He was on my ETF show a couple times. And um, I, uh, so I had all this audio on a dictaphone and I, I, a couple of years before he passed away and the pandemic hit and I'm sort of had a little more time. And I thought, you know, let me get this out out there because I think what he did is really interesting. It's almost a business story that it, it's not just like a Jeff Bezos or a Steve Jobs. It's actually, I think, another level given that he really didn't get rich himself. I think those other stories are usually about somebody becoming a billionaire. This guy made everyone else rich. And I find that story really interesting. And it completely has is now dictating the whole industry. Um, basically, they alone take in about a billion a day, which is really an absurd amount of money. They've taken a billion a day for 10 years. Wow. Um, and then other people have now copied their sort of low-cost index funds, whether it's BlackRock or Fidelity. And that's the funds they get assets in now. So in a way, Vanguard and Bogle, the, the man, have had, a, in my opinion, the biggest effect in asset management, if not all of Wall Street, uh, as you know, compared to anybody else. And really, I think all of what Vogel did really comes down to one phrase. I think his life's work could really be defined by addition by subtraction. He, he removed management fees, trading, biases, um, all the friction that just gets in the way of you and your money, which once it starts compounding, is glorious. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the investment world is very confusing for a lot of folks, too. And then it's more of the investtainment when you watch some of these shows uh, that are on, like, 24-7. You can get financial information. I think people get more enticed to do more things they shouldn't do because they get impatient. And, you know, the, the, word, the, the phrase dollar cost averaging means a lot. Instead of trying to buy and sell a lot of times, always buy and add to something if you believe in it. I, I think that's one of the main things that, that, that John was featuring is is the – consistency and persistent and saving like that and and not trying to like find the the, the horse that's going to win the race but bet on all the horses <laughs> so and, and and put the money in every single month the system systematic investing is something that every american should be doing yeah i think most people who have invested um i think you know when you talk about this entertainment aspect of it i think young people drive that a lot i think when you look at robin hood yeah um, i remember i'm a gen xer in the 90s we were all thought we were geniuses because we bought Microsoft and Cisco and it went up a lot. And, but then, you know, a correction hits and you realize this is harder than it looks. And so most people who are young, I think, go through that process. I think it's generational. But there's a line in, in War Games, uh, that movie from the 80s, where the, the computer deduces that the only winning move is to not play. And I think <laughs> that's what most people uh, subscribe to after they try this on their own. It doesn't work out. And then also maybe they get older. They have more responsibilities. They have a family, a mortgage. They can't mess around with money as much. Yeah. And that's where I think Vanguard is really, really fits that time in your life when you're finally done with the gambling aspect and you want to just save and grow your wealth. And so I think you're right that uh, Vanguard is sort of at odds with that sort of culture. But I will say, um, and it's funny, Bogle wrote a um, piece for the New York Times 
1999, right before the internet bubble burst. And because that's when day trading was crazy then too, right? Um, and he basically said that people who day trade only get about 60% of the actual market returns. And, and, you know, he didn't like active mutual funds, but he said at least they get 75% of market returns. <laughs> but an index fund gets you 99% yeah. of the market returns. And so he, as much as he would slam active managers, he thought doing it yourself was, was even worse. If your goal is to grow wealth. That, that's also part of the book because I, I was like, listen, this guy came out with an idea called the index fund, and he wouldn't pay brokers. So A, he, he had an idea that sounded average. It's like, I don't, why do I want to be average? And he was doing it outside of the entire system of incentives. But he was able to break through. And I look at all the creative ways he was to do it. One of those ways is showing the growth of $10,000. And I think this is what is interesting in the story of Vanguard is it took a long time because of this. This guy operated outside of a system. And so the company didn't even get to 10% market share in the fund business, um, not until 25 years after it started. So this was a long process of him trying to explain to people that, Buying and holding an index fund is an average. If you wait long enough, you end up at the top of the heap. You have to change the way you're viewing investing. And that's hard. He had to change hearts and minds in and do it without uh, being inside the system. And it's a good business story in there, too. It's interesting. And I think a lot of uh, the crypto and DeFi world, I, I'm trying to explain to them that actually, if, if you're in that world and you like crypto and all this and the DeFi thing, um, th this book should appeal to you because this guy was like OG DeFi. Um, just in a different way, but there's a lot of the same spirit and ethos here between Bogle and what young people are seeking out with crypto and decentralized finance. And folks, we're talking to Eric Baltunas, a senior ETF analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence and author of the new book, The Bogle Effect. Uh, you brought crypto up. I wanted to mention that when you said you're Generation X, most of the folks I know who are Generation X are dabbling or heard about the crypto. What do you feel about crypto? Yeah, so um, crypto is interesting. I, I still don't quite get it. Um, but it's resilience. It's resiliency has made me respect it. And there's really smart people in the industry. And I wouldn't bet against some of them. So that's where I sort of give it my respect. That said, I still don't totally think it's going to overtake currency. I, I, uh, is it the new gold? I mean, you could debate <laughs> all this. I, I do think, though, that crypto is being helped by the Bogle effect. And I'll explain why. You talk about Gen X or even boomers who are dabbling in crypto. I think w what you have now is that in the 90s, you'd have these active mutual funds and you'd You'd have one that was five stars, and then it wouldn't perform well. So you'd sell it and buy the next five-star one, and you would just churn these active funds, and it just made investing hard. Finally, people find something to hold on to, an index fund. So they have that in their core. The problem with an index fund for many people is it is boring. Yeah. It's really efficient, and it's really it can create uh, – it's the best way to create wealth, but it's boring as hell. So I think we have a chapter in the book called The Fall and Rise of Active. That legacy active that's just sort of you know close to the benchmark and picking a couple stocks here and there, that's probably getting replaced by Vanguard in the core of the portfolio. But where active is now finding a home is in things like crypto or high active share active like Kathy Wood and ARK or thematic investing, um, NFTs. Those are not only um, you know, fun and ways to distract yourself so you don't touch the other part, which has to grow. It takes you know, 30, 40 years. <laughs> But those things have nothing to do with the index. Yeah. So they complement. So we have this sort of visual of you've got this boring vanilla core, which is great and good for you. But then you go and you search for some hot sauce uh, to, to put on and dabble, I think, is the right word. So I actually think crypto is being helped by the fact that Vanguard has taken over the core of portfolios because it's allowed people to 
have a little more patience with those volatile areas uh, of their portfolio, which are in smaller slices. Uh, you're not as bummed when crypto goes down 30, 40% because, hey, it's 3% of my portfolio. Yeah. And I really have 80% of it in this uh, you know, S&P 500 index fund. Uh, it calms you down a lot. Where anyone gets in trouble is when they put too much money on the risk side and they don't have their safe side established. And you, you see that. Then they, get, then they make irrational decisions and they get trapped in the wrong places because all their money's in the wrong place. And unfortunately, I've seen people who take way too much risk with money they're going to need for retirement. And nothing wrong with risk. But making sure you know what the what the risk is, and and they have an exit strategy to that risk too. So one final, we got about a minute here left. I wanted to ask you a question here, and I think it's a good one. What's your biggest concern of the markets right now? Yeah, I think my biggest concern, you know, short term is just that the sixty and the forty, you know, the sixty forty portfolio, they've yep. both been going up for like fifteen years. <laughs> Usually, stocks go up, bonds don't, but they've both been going up because it's low rates. So I would say, you know, that's my biggest worry. It, should people look to something that's like alternative? Um, but I don't know. I also think that in the end, uh, stocks are a really good place to be because people get up every day and create value with these corporations. That's something Bogle preached and tried to sell people on was that you get a cash flow and you get um, yep. uh, dividends and you get earnings growth when you buy stocks. So I think it's a good long run investment. It's just, you know, what should you do with, you know, to maybe uh, protect yourself a little if the 60 and the 40 goes down for a while. But the 40 part, the bonds, probably where I'm worried the most, because obviously if the Fed rates, rate, raises rates and they go up in a long cycle, a lot of the bonds that are out there right now are just worthless. Yeah. And so that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And that's probably something that concerns me a little bit. Thoughts on inflation? Yeah. I mean, I, look, um, I was a baby in the 70s, but uh, I, it was a big deal back in the day. And yeah. um, it's scary. Where it hits home is like, oh, I, I went to my, my review and I got a four percent raise yay well inflation seven <laughs> then that's where it hits on people like yeah you're right man um i'm actually starting to slide backwards so even if i'm even if i'm ahead i, I gotta subtract seven percent from everything now and that's scary yeah and is. i think that's this is something that's going to be probably a big issue for a while i hope it's just supply chain i hope it's just pandemic supply chain and that's sort of what we're seeing and it's not as bad as we think but um yeah it, it, it's it's scary uh i would say that's up on my worries too that's part of why the Fed is really committed this time to raising rates. You know, in the past, they've always folded like a lawn chair. Yeah. But now I think they're going to see it through because inflation is worse than, say, the markets, uh, you know, having a spasm. Well, yeah, good points. And, uh, and, and I think uh, how many pages is your, is your new book? How, how many pages is the Bogo Fed? Uh, about 340. Wow, that's um, going to be down good from book. 500. So <laughs> I edited it down and also interviewed 50 people, including Warren Buffett and Michael wow. Lewis and and I have their quotes in there. It's sort of written like a semi-documentary. And so I think I think it, I try to make look mutual funds are as interesting as C-SPAN to most people. So I, <laughs> I tried to really, really bring it and include a lot of voices and make it as entertaining as possible. Well, folks, his name is Eric Balchunas, and the name of the book is The Bogle Effect. Eric, uh, we hope to have you on again in the future. I would love that. Thanks for uh, having me on today. Yes, sir. And folks, we'll be right back after this. Again, the book is called The Bogle Effect, How John Bogle and Vanguard Turned Wall Street Inside Out and Saved Investors Trillions. You can find it wherever you get books. And if you'd like to learn more about Coach Pete, just visit PeteOnDemand.com. That's PeteOnDemand.com. Well, so that's it. Episode 164 of Financial Pizza, cooked, boxed, and ready for that digital delivery. Financial Pizza does feature clips and more from some of the best financial radio programs and podcasts heard around the country every week. Brought to you hot, fresh, and in 30 minutes or less. And if you'd like financial pizza delivered to you each and every week, just subscribe to it. It'll be in your podcast collection automatically. 
Find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get a podcast, you'll find Financial Pizza. And as long as you're subscribing, be sure and rate and share the podcast. We've got lots of pizza to go around. So remember, I've also got links to the advisors listed in the show notes with this podcast as well. I want to thank Christy Paradis for contributing content for this show. You can reach me by email, steve at financialpizza.com. Find me on Twitter, at Steve Siddall. Financial Pizza, produced and written by me, Steve Siddall. It originates from the palatial studios of broadcasting experts in Apex, North Carolina. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Really do appreciate it. Going to be back next week with another episode of Financial Pizza. I'm Steve Siddall. Pizza. Coach P Radio. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Peter J. Deruta or his guests are liable for the usage of information discussed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Annuity guarantees are based solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Individuals should thoroughly review the contract for specific details of the product features and costs. Income payments and withdrawals from deferred annuities are generally taxable as ordinary income in the year they are taken. Money management is provided by Equus Capital Management. Equus is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in San Rafael, California. Investment advice by Capital Financial Advisory Group, LLC, a North Carolina-registered investment advisor. Insurance advice given by Capital Financial and Insurance, a North Carolina-licensed insurance agency.